to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? The blackest dies. Oh, God. Come on! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Skewered Universe podcast. My name is Jeff, and I don't have my regular co-host, Leanne, this week. But I do have two very special guests on the show with me today. We're going to be discussing the 2019 Ari Aster film, Midsummer. Yeah, it's going to be a fun romp, a feel-good time, everybody. So let's get right to the introductions. As I said, I have two... Very intelligent gentleman with me today from Invasion of the Podcast and Strange Highways. Let me welcome Paul Tiberius Stedman. How are you doing today, Paul? Good. I, I don't know if I can live up to the intelligent part of this, but I'm certainly here to talk about um, <laughs> so parking in the sun. All right. All right. Sounds good. And trust me, with the way this show goes, you'll boost the intelligent quotient a lot. Believe me. Because I'm, I'm not that bright. <laughs> My wife usually brings the intelligent part to the conversation. And secondly, we have a man who is a personal friend of mine. Actually met him through Leanne when we started dating. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome you, Patrick French, to the show. Hey. How are you doing, Pat? I'm all right, Jeff. How are you doing today, my friend? You know, it's it's a sunny Sunday, and we're going to discuss a lighthearted film. So oh, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get the get gather around the children and the popcorn, everyone. I find it suspect that you picked Sunday to talk about. <laughs> I don't know um, how I feel about coming into this now. I, I'm suspicious of everybody. Yeah, yeah. Just as long as you're not serving us any baked goods, Jeff, I'm I, I'll feel okay about this this podcast. Okay, no no Swedish cultic baked goods, please. Uh, uh, don't need them. Well, I I guess I guess I'll push those into the closet where I was keeping the bear suit <laughs> and the uh, the the certain glass of pink lemonade. But oh. we'll, we'll get to that eventually. I, <laughs> my a podcasting room. Under my bed last night, so this will come out as an okay recording, but we'll see. You know, that's about as far as I went. <laughs> all right. So, Midsummer, we've all seen it. 2019, directed by Ari Aster, starring Florence Pugh, Jack Rayner. I'm probably going to butcher this name Wilhelm Blongren, William Jackson Harper, Will Poulter. Uh, a pretty solid cast, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, nobody, 
I don't think anybody was lacking in their acting ability. Everyone did exactly what they needed to do, and it was it was good. I don't think I could pick out one person and be like, eh, you weren't quite on par with everyone else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a hot take on this on this film in terms of I you know, we'll get into that, but yeah, I think everybody, all of the acting uh, involved and, and the filmmaking technically I felt was really excellent. Um, you know, I, it's more of a, more or less a, a, uh, the numerous kind of plot holes that I take issue with. I, I think I have a differing opinion of this film than you guys, but totally 100% agree with the acting was great. Yeah. Let me put it to the both of you guys here. Oh, let me, I got, sorry, I'm going to derail here and that's what I do. Um, with no, this kind right of yeah, this kind of film with A24, I know that they kind of fancy themselves as like this, you know, distributor that's like a little, a little bit more high minded, whatever. You know, we, we got faces being mashed with clubs here. We know what kind of film we're watching. <laughs> um, with that being said, though, I think with the casting of this and then also the like hereditary, um, I, I like that the casting not only is it good, like they take the film seriously themselves. Like, like there's humor in this. I mean, there's actually. This film, you know, if you're if you look out of it out of the corner of one eye, it's it's a super black comedy, and I I love that. Uh, and Hereditary has its moments too, but just because there's humor, it doesn't mean that the actors have to play it with humor. And I think that sometimes something sometimes that's been lacking in in the horror movies I like, where a lot of stuff that's come out uh, like you know past 10, 20 years. Sometimes you have to go for a joke as opposed to just let the characters be. And if there's humor, fine. I think there's a, like this weird like 70 sensibility that runs through both hereditary and this, that maybe it's just my own personal taste, but I dig it. And I think it comes through in the casting for both films. Yeah. I mean, I 100% agree with you, Paul. I think there's a, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a film expert by any means or have any real qualifications to speak on filmmaking, but um, you know, I've, I've always heard that the, the line of delineation between con or uh, excuse me, horror and comedy is this razor thin edge to walk so it's really cool to see you know uh filmmakers and actors and and you know situations where they kind of embrace that and go with it but not you know you, you don't want your you don't want to turn your horror film into like a slapstick comedy you know and that that can happen where you're just taken out of the mood of the film um i think midsummer never really it, you know, that that line was always sort of walked very delicately and I never got out of the kind of underlying strangeness of the film. But, yeah, there are definitely some funny moments. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I think there's a difference. Right, between... they... Yeah, sorry. I'm Jeff at your podcast. Please speak uh, over go, me. It's go what right I do... ahead. Go right ahead. I can make so my I have, point after. I have a problem <laughs> talking too much. But now I was just going to say this, like there's a difference between like a movie joke, like and a, a joke that just comes organically from like a script. And mm -hmm. I think this movie, with the exception of Will Poulter, you could tell that they put some insert dialogue of him because you could tell Ari Aster just loved everything he was saying. And there's a lot of <laughs> shots. You see the back of Will Poulter's head and whatever's just coming out of his mouth. They put in later. And that's OK, because he's supposed to be the obnoxious like American tourist. I get that character. But there, there isn't like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes movies go for a joke that they like, they're making the joke for the audience cause they're making a movie and this where it's like the jokes are organic cause the characters are, are, you know, they're people and they're existing. And like Mark, uh, Will Poulter's character is like freaked out about nature. And then they start talking about ticks 
and just messing <laughs> with him. You, you could do that to your friends. Like that's what comes organically out of this or yeah. whenever um, Christian drops on his buddies that, Hey, uh, I've invited Danny to come with us. Just she's not, but she's coming. Like that's, that's all like, that all feels mm-hmm. like life and there's humor there. And I, that I, I wasn't where I was going to go with this conversation to begin with, but I like with the casting and the grounding here that you get, you, you are laughing with them and enjoying with them, which makes the second half of this film, you know, that's the whole point of a good horror film, right? Like you care for some of the people and then you get put through the ringer with them. And I think this yeah. does a good job of that too. So Jeff, sorry, please. It's your show. No, I was going to say the, it's, it's perfectly fine. Um, I tend to derail the show myself, so feel free. <laughs> and Pat, I am not a film expert either, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we're on the same page. Yeah. I did appreciate Will Poulter's character, the the not blatant in your face humor that he yeah. delivered with those lines. It wasn't like, hey, he's the jokester, he's yeah. the fool, huh? <laughs> Exactly. It was it was things you would hear a friend of yours say who's that kind of person. Yeah. Like exactly. the tick thing really I was the third time that I've seen it now. I was listening and I'm like, oh, they're they're screwing with him big time. Yeah, for sure. And and I mean that I think that was, you know, that like like Paul and like you're saying, Jeff, the the dialogue and, and the script that was provided to these guys, you could tell that they really kind of vibed and, and gelled there and, and it was very you know, it was very um, relatable um, in that sense. But, you know, I, I think ultimately, the, you know, if we're talking about the characters, uh, and we're probably not, we're just talking about the actors right now. But it's just funny to me that that when you step back and you look at these characters, again, hot take here, just a thoroughly unlikable group of characters. I'm sorry, but these guys... <laughs> You know, I, I don't know. I, I guess maybe I, I never went to college and I, maybe that's how like, you know, college buddies are where they try and steal each other's thesis or I think it's not theses, but, you know, I mean, just a group of really kind of unlikable people. <laughs> just my opinion, though. <laughs> yeah, that That's kind of where I fall. Like the only person I really felt that they wanted you to like and feel for was Danny. And we'll we'll touch on that. I'm going to run down a brief synopsis here once we kind of get into everything. But yeah, I was on the same page. There wasn't a whole lot of likability amongst the group. Like I think certain people like Mark, you kind of a little bit, you were like, okay, you're still kind of a jerk because we've seen what you've done before, but Mm -hmm. we all have that friend that we're like, eh, but for the most part, I, I, I wasn't really, didn't really like most of the characters, yeah. our main characters there. Well, I mean, good thing because most right. don't make it out. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, too soon, Paul. Which, too soon. Oh, oh, sorry, spoilers. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. no, no. We're uh, just to disclose ahead of time. Anyone listening to this who hasn't seen the movie yet, uh, don't listen because I have a feeling we can't thoroughly discuss this movie like we want without spoilers being given so if you haven't seen it turn this off come back later that's (laughs) i mean it's or 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 possibly movie that if it gets i think if it gets spoiled yeah if you come up with spoilers someone's gonna hit you someone's gonna hit you with a mallet if you keep listening to this and you've not seen the movie you're seeking forbidden knowledge you're gonna get struck with a mallet 
That's what's right. Gonna... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Turn off that heart crystal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So basic synopsis here. We have a group of five friends. Danny, Christian, Josh, Mark, and their Swedish friend, Pele, who has come to study in the U.S. Danny has gone through a recent, very traumatic event involving her sister and her parents in a murder-suicide orchestrated by her sister. So she right away is not good mentally. She is not with all her faculties. She gets invited by Christian after they go to a party to go to Sweden. They end up going because Pele wants them to see this festival they have. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. They get there. It's very beautiful. It's a little strange. And from there, they start seeing the inner workings of how things go. I'm going to leave it there because things kind of start to shift in another direction from the serene beauty to, excuse my language here, but what the actual fuck? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, like like I said, brief synopsis. (laughs) So if anyone wants to jump in with how they felt about the beginning of the film where it kind of just immediately gut punch, go right ahead. (laughs) I was going to say, it goes... It, you know, it, it goes from like um, an episode of Saved by the Bell in the beginning, like the first maybe 10 minutes. And then it, it, it goes, it takes a steep dive downwards, you know, trigger alert here. And then it kind of goes back up into, you know, this weird sort of uh, Grateful Dead concert in a foreign country, except there's a Swedish cult involved, uh, you know, where everybody's you know, using substances. Yeah. And then it, it only gets yes. worse from there. So uh, I'll let Paul jump in here. Cause Paul, I think <laughs> might be able to surmise this more concisely. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, I, I know just in passing of reading some stuff and, in, and by the way, I, I'm by no, we, no means like a film, like, you know, that person i'm not i'm not smart at all. I worked at a blockbuster five years. So that tells you that I am not good financially. And also, you know, like, yeah, anyway, I've been around a lot of movies, but that doesn't like, as you say, you (laughs) tell us what a training a blockbuster. It's like, you're surrounded by stars every day. Bullshit. Uh, So, um, like, I mean, I do. And I didn't realize that I actually kind of had like this appreciation for like folk horror. That was never really something I was into. Uh, watching this and then, um, and I'm not going to drive the conversation in these directions, but there's the Netflix film apostle, uh, that's amazing. That has, um, Oh shit. What's his name? Um, guy, um, Oh, the guy from, uh, um, Dan Stevens, this is in that, and it's really, really good. Uh, and then also, uh, in kind of a reverse order after seeing midsummer, I ended up watching the original wicker man. So I didn't realize like, I kind of have like this appreciation for this, like, um, uh, you know, uh, people, you know, people out of, out of sync coming into this other group, like this other world that they don't, they don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and they, they kind of like, mm-hmm. everybody else is getting along. Everything seems kind of okay on the surface. Like, is it just me or is there something else going on here? I didn't know I had that kind of like that kind of thing I like with this, like, and even like the witch would probably even go like with that a little bit oh, too. Yeah, for uh, sure. yeah. yeah. Right. Except yeah, that- we're, we're with the outcasts, not the other people. <laughs> yeah. That, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, definitely that <laughs> genre of stranger in a strange land, you know, that, that kind of permeates this, this film for sure. And, um, you know, that, that is like you're saying, Paul, that is a very specific kind of, of horror that I, I think kind of is coming back a little bit. I mean, you know, I, I it kind of reminds me of of a genre that I love and a series of films that I love, and that's the whole you know Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, the originals, the Romero originals, Night of the Living Dead, where you have literally you know living people, and, and to an extent Land of the Dead, I guess you have living people who are kind of amongst the dead, and so again they're they're these strangers in a strange land with familiar elements. Uh, and and I, I'm not saying Midsummer is is anywhere near that, but I think that that genre. You know, I worked at a Suncoast motion picture company back when that was still a thing back in the uh, '90s, and I was surrounded by movies too. Um, and you're surrounded by stars every day. That's yeah, right. stars every day. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't meet, I didn't meet Tony Hawk. Came into my store and I didn't know who he was, and he showed me his ID, and I was like, "Oh, the, the Tony Hawk," and he's like, "Yeah," but uh, you know that was that was my only run in with a star. I almost got run over by Keanu Reeves when I was working at the Sun Coast in in Burbank as well, and I was trying to get to work, so there was that. But um, you know, oh wow, yeah, I know that's for a different time, but uh, I think that that element is very very on display with this film for sure. And like you were saying, I think we are having a little chat beforehand, the, the kind of seventies, that, that vibe, that, that full core vibe of the seventies was, you know, when I think about this film, I, I can definitely see what you're saying when, when you reference that. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't like, I didn't know that it was something that I was really into and I, I kind of, it's one of those things where it's not, it's not my typical jam in terms of like horror films that I like, I know I kind of get stuck in like, I don't know. I'm more of a body horror person just because I believe in science as opposed to ghosts. I just, you know, um, I don't know how else to equate that. Like, I'm not saying there's not good ghost stories out there. It's just that a lot of it's like, well, they can do anything. All right. I guess if you just leave the house, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so with, with, which also makes hereditary also like really like that, that, that movie shouldn't work for me in a lot of ways, but my God, that gets under your skin and it just doesn't oh, yeah. let go of you. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, like, so I didn't know, I didn't, I, you know, so thinking about it further, I guess also what I dig about this film in terms of like, he, well, Ari Aster said that this was, this film came out of, he wanted to write a film about a breakup that he had. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened in that relationship that you wanted to write about? Because <laughs> uh, this is ultimately a breakup film in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, I know it's kind of simplifying it, right? But you got Danny who uh, has, has, you know, she's in this toxic relationship uh, and then she loses her family because her sister, you know, uh, t commits suicide and takes her parents with her. So the Danny has nobody. So you have that image at the beginning of her just and credit to Florence Pugh, like that kind of that kind of crying you don't hear in films. You hear yeah. that in real life when someone gets off the phone like yeah. that's that punch in the gut. Mm -hmm. you, you're, you're like that's family member related like that's you don't hear those noises like you know, unless everything has gone wrong. And how you got uh, Christian uh, Jack Rayner just holding her, and th they're in the same room together. But she is alone as alone can be in the snow outside. You got that, so you got her on uneven footing. 
but they're in this relationship that neither one wants to give up on because he's afraid he's not going to do any better. And she doesn't know what she's going to do without him. And then they just go to, you know, the land of the midnight sun and they hope that maybe that'll fix their relationship. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. The ultimate codependent relationship there. Yeah. Which they're codependent. They go to an actual like group, the community that is literally codependent. Yeah. It's like, that's a, that's crazy to me. Like, I like, I love that thought process. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's all, it, yeah, it definitely seeing those opening scenes. It hit uh, a little closer to home for myself and Leanne, my wife. And to peel back the curtain here, I've already talked to her about this. She lost her mother not that long ago, and we went into this film both going, "Yeah, we want to see it," not knowing that right in the beginning it was, "Oh, hey, here's this very real." very tragic thing that happens yeah and it it was because that wound for her was still very raw and i was feeling with her we were both just like oh so the first time we watched it i actually went past that a little bit yeah because you can still you can still get what she's going through but florence Pugh, man her crying i i heard that yeah you know not too long before so i felt yeah. i think that's what drew me into her character was like i've been with someone who was feeling that exact same reaction so it was like okay i'm already endeared to this person because she's gone through this heartbreak and tragedy and it made me hate the character of christian because not only was he like gaslighting her on the phone when she was talking about her sister in the beginning then he's gaslighting her after they come back from the party about going to Sweden. He's yeah. just not likable. He's he doesn't no. know how to just break it off with her because, like, like you said, Paul, he doesn't think he's going to do any better. And unfortunately, Danny is in a position where she's like, "I need someone," and at least he shows up. But I think the one thing that really got me was when Christian was walking to her after she called, and he just heard her crying. He's taking his time getting there, just walking. And the look on his face is like, I don't want to be doing this, but I guess I have to Mm -hmm. because she needs at least someone. And he's not, he's physically there, but he's checked out. He's somewhere else completely. For sure. You know, I'm going to disagree with you guys on this. See, I think, so Midsummer kind of lost me at, at several different steps. And, and I, you know, I, I, I haven't seen, hereditary i've watched many clips of the film i should probably sit down and watch it uh but with you like you jeff you know my my capacity for certain types of horror uh after becoming a dad has really diminished so things involving kids or or the suffering of children or families really hits too close to home for me now whereas 10 years ago i could have watched it and laughed and thought it was funny um, because I'm just a really damaged, callous human being, I guess. Uh, <laughs> don't watch Hereditary then. Oh my god! Yeah, touch yeah. Watch that movie then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want to stare yeah, away. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. So so I, I and I've seen some I've seen some clips of it, and I was like, yeah, I, maybe I'll maybe I'll steer past this one, even though I'm I'm super interested in the cast. Uh, it's fantastic, and the character actress who plays the mom I've, I've seen her in a ton of stuff i can't remember her name now but she's amazing oh tony, tony collette tony, tony collette, collette is, is yeah amazing. oh man amazing actress 
But um, I feel like I feel like that I, I feel I feel like the 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 plot was like like really contrived at this point. Like I really feel like that was such an amateur filmmaker move to kind of it, it's kind of like in a boxing match where you know you got a fighter who you know can beat the other fighter handily maybe this is going to be a poor analogy and instead of just straight up boxing the other fighter they keep going for the you know the body or for the you know below the belt blows and 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 the clinches when they don't need to do that and i kind of feel like ari aster didn't need to necessarily go there i i mean he wrote the film and and you know ultimately he was smart enough to get lots of people to spend lots of money making this film but i feel like that's like the very first part of the film that i felt was really contrived to me and then at the same time it's like also there to show you how dysfunctional and how kind of passive aggressively toxic the relationship between the two main characters is but but i just was kind of like it it that scene you know the the scene where they're kind of panning where he's panning through the house and you see the mom and dad and you're like oh they're sleeping. It's fine. And then, you know, they, they go through the rooms and, 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 and that, that filmmaking is amazing. Like it builds tension. It's great. The music, you know, the, it, it's technically brilliant um, and technically interesting, but it, it's such a low blow that I'm just like, okay, this film is now moving at the speed of plot. And I don't know how you guys feel about that, but that was my hot take on that particular part of the film. I can, I can definitely see where you're coming from since I've seen the movie three times. So I can see <laughs> your point of view. It's, it's, <laughs> I know, I know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a glutton for punishment. I'm a sucker to torture <laughs> myself apparently, but I can see, I think, it hit the way it did for me just because having gone through something with Leanne so recently. Yeah. But like I said, having watched it again, I can see your point. So I, I can't discredit what you're saying. I, I do think there's some merit behind what you're saying. And ultimately it, it did work for me, but I can totally see your point. That's, that's the main thing I'm getting to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with what you're saying in terms of like, it just kind of, it, it does jumpstart the narrative and, and you know, there could have been other ways of handling it. Um, I would view it as like, and, and, and again, it's purely a creative choice where um, hereditary was a slow burn. And then it just explodes in like the last, you know, 20 minutes of that film. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where it's like, I feel like he was like, I'm going to come right out of the gate. Yeah. As um, like upset and you're on the side of Danny and you guys need to understand, like she's coming from this, like her whole life's cratered. And I think having, that slow movement through the house too. And then how with, um, when we get to whatever the name of that, that, uh, uh, the day two event of, you know, the cliff diving, um, yeah. <laughs> um we get to that. Yes. Cause the, I know they draw the parallel where they show the sister there for a second. Right. It's like, yeah. uh, it, it's again, like, you know, that both are versions of trauma. One is, uh, a day didn't see it and this now it's right in her face so like how do you take someone that's already broken and like how do you further break them like I, I i can understand with you saying that it's hitting below the belt um and i i guess what i'm saying is like i'm i agree with that like i want i want the audience to be off kilter if that's my goal 
I'm not yeah. saying there's other ways to go around that. I'm not saying there's not ways of, of writing that differently. Um, but if that doesn't me automatically kind of like get your attention, like, Oh, this is, this isn't good. And that's the only time we really see darkness yeah. in this entire film. Right. Yeah. Like, that also, I think means a lot too. Right. I think the one, the one true night scene is oh, yeah. the intro and it's the exact opposite like situation. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I right. and I, I agree with the you. The contrast. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and that's a great point. And I didn't even really think about it because you're absolutely right, Paul. That is, that scene is the only night scene in the film. Everything else is very bright. Everything else is very colorful. And I think maybe, you know, like you're saying, Ari Aster definitely picked his spot there. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess maybe it, it just kind of pulled me out because there's, you know, the, the sister like having issues and, 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 you know, you're kind of as an audience member, you're, you're immediately interjected into this drama with this character and her boyfriend and that's relatable, you know, and then she has a sister and the sister's not responding. I mean, I, I don't know. There was just something about the setup right out of the gate that kind of took me out of the film. It was almost as if I felt like that was, and, and, you know, again, I'm, I'm not a film critic and I'm sure you guys are, have seen it way more than I have. And, you know, Jeff, you've seen it three times and, and you guys are probably better able to speak on this, but I feel like you could have cut that entire first 20 minutes out of the movie and still had an effective, an effective film. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I don't know if they, I don't know if, if they, the filmmaker really explored, I don't know. It just, it felt, it felt very contrived to me. You know, it felt like, let's put this house up as fast as we can. Let's get you into this. Um, and, and it didn't feel organic to me. I, I think the scenes where they're, you know, where all of the friends are talking about bringing, um, you know, uh, Danny along to Sweden were, were kind of effective, but, but that first sort of intro scene, or even, even if you cut out the first five minutes where she's talking about, you know, my boyfriend, you know, is going to leave me and I don't think he likes me, yada, yada, yada. Even if you just had that slow pan through the house as the opening scene, I almost feel like that would kind of frame the film, you know, a little more effectively because yeah, you, you boom. Yeah. You could have told that story like shorter. I, I agree. Yeah. With you. Yeah. yeah. Like in media res, you know, you, like you're right in the action and then boom, if you're going to punch somebody in the face right out of the gate, then, you know, like a la irreversible, you know, where a guy's getting his head smashed in with a fire extinguisher in the first, you know, two minutes of the film. It's like, it's a dark film. It starts out dark and let's, let's just get to it. You know, that, that would feel far less contrived, but that's just. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, I think it was. I think it was important that brief bit whenever Danny was talking to Christian, and goddamn, we're actually going scene by scene through here, and this is not what I wanted to do. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> sorry guys, I totally no, no, we'll, we'll move which, on quickly. We're yeah, but she's talking to Christian though, and she's trying. Like she, you can see that she's in like extreme panic, and like there's like tears in her eyes, and you don't hear it in her voice, and she's trying to get like talk to Christian, and it's like I think that's very important for her for her, her character, and I also think it's very important. Uh, for us to get on the side of Florence Pugh, because I don't know how difficult it is. Like, I know when I get emotional, um, I start sounding like, like a donkey braying regardless. Like I can't, I can't yeah. control my voice at that point. And it's like, it would have been like, that's, that is just crazy how she's able to do that and try to sound like upbeat 
and while you know you could tell that there's real panic in her like her voice and then and then him just missing and gaslighting like you said and then to find out like oh shit he was wrong like yeah, yeah. Yeah, just you, there's a lot there. Um, I also just want to mention real quickly before we get to um, you know the, the Grateful Dead concert, uh, <laughs> um, and I, I like that there's two scenes there where after the party, uh, when Danny and Christian come back to her place, and he walks out of frame and sits in the chair, and, and you see him reflected in the mirror, and they're clearly divided, talking about the Sweden trip. And the moment she starts to like um, try to like you know. Um, make him feel better. She goes into frame with him when they're together. I think that's important because it shows them being divided. And then when she finally like gives up the ghost and, and loses the battle and talks to him about it, they're in frame together. And then later on the next scene when they're at, um, was it one of the apartments? I don't know who was, whose apartment it was the other, other people's apartment. When Christian's telling the guys, Hey, I invited Danny, you see him in the mirror and those dudes are sitting all by the, by like together. So again, he's <laughs> dividing himself. And the yeah. frames are showing these guys standing off and, and the reflections, I think, speak a lot. It might be efficient filmmaking, which it is. I, part of my brain's like, there's something here. And I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah. was just it was really interesting to see that. And then later on uh, with her going to the outhouse in the middle of the, you know, the LSD fields and seeing um, the reflection there, too. You know, I think there's, you know, they, again, it's it's all the hallmarks of, of a good storyteller and a good, you know, a director and cinematographer. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's something to be said for um, the, the the self-reflection, right? Because the whole movie is really about like realizing who you are and what part you're playing in all this, because whether they like it or not, all these people are playing the part they meant to play mm-hmm. in this. Oh yeah, totally. And, and, and that's kind of like, exactly. yeah. And that's, and that's evident. I, you know, I think Ari Aster definitely kind of spells that out in in the first 20 minutes of the film you know especially with all of you know the the rest of the swedish trip he he literally shows you a storyboard you know they literally pan across the storyboard for the film within the first 25 minutes of the film <laughs> in the opening right. shots that tapestry right. it's right yeah there laid yeah out. yeah it's, it's Sorry, spelled out for yeah, you the very yeah. opening we have the large okay. tapestry and then once they get to the Grateful Dead LSD drug trip commune, they pass by that banner, which again just tells you like, here's what you're gonna see. Yeah. This is the movie. If yeah. you pay attention, you're getting everything now. Now you're just gonna see how it plays out. Yeah, it was and, like I, and I wanted to go back. Sorry, it's real like the quick. X Games ever, real right? Quick. That's what it is. It's not Grateful Dead. <laughs> like the worst x games yeah 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 Yeah, i wanted to touch on (laughs) i wanted to touch and briefly and then we'll we'll move forward here because we don't want to go scene by scene that scene in the apartment where Christian is telling them, I think it served two purposes. And one, Paul, you touched on the self-reflection of him being off screen, but we see him in the mirror. I think it served purpose too. So you could see the reactions mm-hmm. of Mark Pele and Josh, as he tells him, Josh seems nonplussed. He's like, okay, so you asked her if she goes fine, if she doesn't fine. Mark seems immediately annoyed. Like, well, I was going to get tail. We were all going to, you know, make out with Swedish chicks. What the hell are you doing? Pele just smiles. Yeah. He just smiles like, okay, it's all falling into place. 
And Leanne made a point, my wife, she, she made a point to say he has, Pele has a very cherub-like face, like the kind of pudgy cheeks and the smile and the bright blue eyes. So he's very like comforting. He kind of just draws you in a bit. You think, oh, he's, he's not a threat. Yeah. But he orchestrated this whole thing to get these people together, and you're like, you, you. And okay. Think, I'm going to jump in here. There's a lot going on. I'm going to jump in here, and I think that's that to me is where the very first, the first act of this film falls down, right? Is because the motivations of the, the friend group are so inexplicable because we don't have context, right? We have context on Danny's character. We know what Danny's character's going through, but we don't have context on, on uh, you know, the boyfriend. I can't remember his name now. Her boyfriend's character because he's, he's kind of almost like a cardboard cutout. He's a blank slate. We know that he has issues with with emotion or what have you, but there's no context for that. I think if there was some sort of context to 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 make that character a little more three-dimensional at the very beginning of the film and i understand there are time constraints and in, in all of that stuff but that's that's what made it so inexplicable to me to to like sit there and that's that's why i've, I've read all the theories online about pele and you know pele and the, and the the cult sort of orchestrating this whole thing and i'm just like i feel like that's a really deep read into uh, a beginning act that seems light on material to me or light on, on background. Like, you know, there are people who are saying, oh, the, the cult orchestrated Danny's family's murder. And I'm just like, guys, whoa, like let's, let's ease back on the fan fiction here because that is not, at least in my opinion, at all conveyed in the, in the opening of the film. And I'll let you guys take it away. Sorry, Jeff, I didn't mean to jump right, on that. Right. Oh, no, no, no. I, I think maybe it was just he wanted to get a group of people where they fit into certain areas that they needed them to fit into. Not that the cult was behind, yeah. you know, her sister's <laughs> mental yeah. illness and the death of the family. That, to me, is, is far-reaching. But yeah. I think he was sent there to get certain people. And when yeah. he found the right group, someone yeah. who is dealing with issues who ends up being broken someone who can't connect emotionally and it is pretty much has no drive to do anything yeah and then someone who wants to know more and then someone who's just for lack of a better term a horn dog yeah <laughs> a jerk and a horn dog that's yeah. mark <laughs> so yeah. all right let's let's get forward i kind of want to feel i kind of want to know what you guys think about the commune the cult the Grateful Dead, the hippie, drug, X everyone X. constantly on some sort of... Well, yes. ex, it's actually ex, like as an ecstasy. It's X Games now. That's what it is to me. That's what it's going to be. Um, same, <laughs> it's, just, it's a fish concert around the Maypole. Um, so um, I like I like the idea of the commune. It's, like, it's one of those things that almost feels like it'd be like going, like I'm in Ohio. Uh, I, I'm in Cleveland and that we have we do have Amish communities south of here but it'd be like going to like uh eastern Pennsylvania right and going to like Lancaster or whatever and it's like it almost feels like another world right yeah. like that would be where they have their own customs but they're also aware of where they are like there's the whole notion of um they're a pretty progress progressive group of people because at one point the the one girl's like well they're watching Austin Powers if you want to go join us like yeah. they're not <laughs> it shows that they're connected 
right yeah. to the world. It's just that right. they they have realized that what or they they've they've come to the belief that their ways of what support them and that their ways are what are family. It's just because they they're aware of what is going on. Like at one point I was watching this, uh, I was watching this for Friday night with, uh, with my wife and a friend of mine and they're and my wife's like, yeah, nice plastic tubs there. They're washing the dishes in. I'm like, yeah, they're not like without like the knowledge of this, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I can't, you know, um, I like, uh, like that to me almost feels like them. That's almost those experiences that you see all like the, the social media influencers are trying to go get to go see that thing. No one can see, like be out in the real world, man. Yeah. Like it's what it They're feels so like. authentic. Yeah. They're so authentic, Paul. And, and you know, but, but you could see a group of group of them visiting Ikea to buy some plastic tubs to wash their dishes in and interacting. Yeah. 100%. I agree with you on that, Paul. I, I, I too am, I, you know, I'm getting serious uh, children of God vibes here. You know, that cult. I'm, that's one of the things I'm super into is true crime and, and cults. And definitely some children of, of God vibes there, you know, mixed in with, you know, historically wasn't Sweden one of the last uh, kingdoms of Europe to be fully Christianized by, you know, the the crusaders and by, you know, the various European continental powers who, who brought, you know, the religion of God into, into their country. You know, I mean, I, I it's, it's, I, I knew a, so side, you know, kind of side story here. I knew a girl from Sweden back in the nineties and we used to talk about her, uh, you know, what life was like back in Sweden. She's like, yeah, every, every May we had like this May celebration in our village. Cause I guess she came from a small town in Sweden. She's like, There'd be a maypole there and, and people would dance and there'd be like this big community festival. And she's like, eventually it would devolve into people hopping around the maypole like frogs. And she like laughed kind of nervously. And I'm like, yeah, that's fucking weird. And I was like actually legitimately terrified. I'm like, this is the beginning of like an HP Lovecraft story here where, you know, the, the, the Swedish cult members of Dagon, you know, devolve into you know, fish people and they're flopping around the maypole, you know? So I, I think I, I'm 100% on board with you guys. They really managed to capture that, the otherness of that place and, and the strangeness of that place. And especially the sort of, again, I keep, I keep going back to this word because that this word totally describes the film for me. It's, it's very inexplicable, right? Like the, the whole experience mm -hmm of walking into that, that place that is of a different time, but not of a different time and of a different place, but not of a different place is incredibly inexplicable. And, 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 you know, I think you used the word Paul off kilter. It, it does definitely put you in this place of like, what the hell is going on here? You know, like I don't, I, you know, me, myself, I, I'm instantly out. I'm like, put me back in the van, the, the European cargo van that, that, that the Euro van that brought me out here. Cause I'm going back to Oslo or wherever it was I flew into and I'm leaving. Cause it just, you get bad vibes. I, I got immediately <laughs> got bad vibes, you know, when they're saying it took us four hours to get here. And, you know, especially if, if I'm an outsider and I don't speak the language, um, you know, some people might see that as an opportunity. I see that as a potential, uh, you know, final final boy, final girl situation. <laughs> and I am out. I, I'm gone. <laughs> red, red flags are going up everywhere. Yeah. 
it feels a lot like the Bible Belt to me, and I'm not. I don't want like in the sense that like I grew up. I grew up in West Virginia, and um, and there's there's pockets of like that you know <laughs> yeah you could find pockets of mountain areas with just a bunch of white people. I don't know, I'm just throwing it yeah. up. Um, <laughs> but like they're everybody like they're. Mm-hmm. It's one of those states that I've never been someplace where I feel so welcomed until they find out, like, until they'll love you until you're different. Right. And yeah. I like, and that's, that's my some, like, that's how I kind of feel about my home state. And that's kind of the vibe I get here where it's like, welcome, here's what we do. Like, we'll tell you everything. Oh, wait, you're, you're going to go pee on our ancestor tree. Well, guess we got to kill you now. Like you just <laughs> like in terms of like their rituals. I mean, yeah, it's just, is it any, is it, is there celebration of what they do outside of like, you know, the human sacrifice portion of it? <laughs> Or the things that they do, is it any, is it any weirder than a lot of the holidays we take for granted now though? Like, I think it's a matter of, I think that's also part of the film too, especially, um, Josh's character, William Jackson Harper, he kind of goes in view on this as like, you know, under the microscope. And because of that, he wants to extract information and it's, it's like, he's accepting because he knows it's going to, you know, advance him forward with his thesis. And I think the thing he makes the mistake of is that they keep offering him knowledge but when he keeps like trying to take more, that's when he crosses a line. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in right. terms of like their welcoming and their, their traditions, like, dude, I was, I also went to a Pentecostal church when I was in high school. You want to talk about being in uh, mainland America and seeing some weird shit in a church, you know, like I can, we can talk, you know, yeah. I mean, it was, there was no, uh, no, Gallagher, <laughs> no Gallagher show with head splitting going on, but you know, you talk about foreign languages, supposedly. It, well, Hey, you know, if you guys are ever in uh, Oceanside, California, or Vista, California, you can have your own midsummer experience by uh, visiting the Yellow Deli. Amazing food, really nice people, definitely cult-run establishment. I remember uh, I went there once, and uh, or I went there many times. I used to go there all day, you know, day after day for the their yerba mates. And I wasn't employed at the time, and one of the guys noticed it, and he's like, "Hey, do you want to?" You know, come join the family and and work at the at the deli with us. We'll we'll, we'll he invited me to this dinner that they have for you know um, curious people and you know and then you know two months later I I could have potentially been in the cult and working eighteen hour days at the deli. Um, you know, <laughs> you're you're only ever you're only ever a uh, 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 questionable decision away from uh, jumping off a rock head first onto another rock, you know, I mean, it's, that's it's fair. That simple. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of like the yeah. off filter and the other world, it's like, I think it's, if you take a group of people that aren't familiar with what is considered the norm, you're always going to get that uneasiness. And I think in the sense that we, as the viewer coming into this, it's like, that's odd. But when you flip it and it's like, nope, this is just business as usual. Yeah. No, it's it's this kind of a weird thought you have going through. Like they all have their explanations for what they do, whether or not we understand or agree with it, that's on us. But like, yeah. they seem to be fine doing what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I I got that uneasy feeling as soon as they were walking in, and everyone's just standing around staring at them, and there's <laughs> people playing their flutes off to the side. I'm like. Um, you know, I'm not cool with people just staring at me as I walk somewhere. So this is really off-putting and oh, I'm yeah. out. I would have tapped out right there and oh. I'd be like, I don't care if it's four hours. I can't yeah, run I'm, that fast, but I'm going to make my way back as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm leaving. I, I'm, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to catch an Uber. How's the signal out here? Because I'm definitely gone. Uh, yeah. It's a beautiful I, I, I don't know yeah. why you feel welcome there though. <laughs> 
Well, you know what? You know what's kind of funny about the film here too is is it definitely subverts your expectation because you go you go into this you go into the film obviously a stranger in a strange land, right? And 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 if you take like that old adage when in Rome, you know, Ari Aster doesn't tell you you know, he lets you know you're in Rome, okay? But he's not going to he's not going to tell you or he doesn't give you any hint except for that very first scene with the tapestry, what the Romans do when they're in Rome. So that's even more off-putting. It's even more strange or even more isolated. You know, the, the film, the, these opening sequences with the big wide open spaces and the cinematography and the, 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 white, the whiter than white garments that the cult members are wearing and the colors and and that kind of um i i guess the overall theme of like almost like this cleanliness and this earth friendliness and the sustainability like it's so jarring you know to to i think the average viewers senses maybe not like horror guys like us who are like instantly like red flag we're leaving, you know, if it was, if it were the three of us, I mean, I might stay for dinner, but then we're definitely leaving in the middle of the night. I don't care how fast we got to get out of there, but we're, we're they walking. Realize, they realize <laughs> I'm too fat for the bear suit and they went, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> they realized that they would need a bigger, uh, they'd have to big yeah. uh, a, a house that's 10 times bigger uh, to, <laughs> to provide enough fuel to, you know, deal with me at the end of the film. But, um, does you he know, know what his eyes are made of? It's like, oh no, he's eaten eight of them so far. I'm like, oh, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they want me to survive just so they can snuggle me in those cold Swedish winters. You know, I mean, why, why kill your golden goose there? I, I'd, I'd be, but anyway, um, yeah, it's just, it's very, it's very, again, very inexplicable. You know, just, uh, and I, I felt like that part of the film, that to me, the whole that whole introduction into their world, I feel like was technically and thematically and plot wise, the strongest part of the film. Right. Right. And I want, I do want to touch on something about the representation of how this group of friends, how they appear when they're showing up to the commune. Cause Leanne and I were talking before and she said, you know, Danny is not, sexed up like you would get in some typical horror movies mm -hmm. they're not wearing these ridiculous outfits they're very much like normal just drab clothes they just got off a plane they're dressed like anyone would be if they had just got off a plane and were like okay well we got to make our destination let's just get there and i agree with her on that they didn't sex up the girls i mean we'll get to we'll get to where <laughs> that goes at some point yeah they but do she, definitely sex up you know, the they girls didn't put her in a crop top and short shorts yeah <laughs> yeah definitely. yeah there's... but they didn't do it with danny and it, i found it refreshing because there's so many of these films yeah where your main character your final girl at some point is like Oh, she's running around in her underwear. Or oh, there's the weird interjected shower scene, so we can see her. It's her vulnerability. I'm like, no, her vulnerability was right at the beginning, and is still there forefront. And they didn't have to go. Well, we need you to wear booty shorts and this see-through top. Can you do that? Because yeah. we want to get the guys to watch this movie. It it wasn't like that. And I was like, you know, I'm I'm okay with that. We got way more male nudity than I expected, but 
we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> well, I think I think this film is deeply, you know, on 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 a certain level. I, I feel like this film is deeply, deeply anti-sexual. I think I think it's almost. I mean, if you're look, viewing it from that lens, you you would you would see this film almost as a rejection of of that sort of character. Danny embodies the the ultimate rejection of that final girl sort of uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? She is she is the anti. She's the Boba Fett of of final girls. You know, she's like the anti-hero. Uh, of of this film and and i would you know the scenes the later scenes when they're in their lodgings when they're in, in their accommodations and you hear the babies crying and you know the the women are, are are trying to shush their babies i mean to me as if if i were you know the pat of 20 years ago watching this movie like going yeah man i can't wait to see you know i'm sorry this is kind of crude but you know like those movies, you're like, oh yeah, that girl's attractive. I don't mind looking at her, you know, because she's attractive. I feel like this film went in the entire opposite direction. Was like, you could almost view this as like a, you know, a, a PSA for being responsible in relationships and not trying to screw people over. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't an exploitation of her. Yeah. In the director's cut, there was a, a, a Harga car wash that happened with all the female residents. I don't nice. want to... No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, they, well, you know, that's a great gotta, fundraiser idea. I gotta find that. And yeah. it was the same song that they played during the Maypole dance. It was weird. I don't know. Anyway, no, I'm just no, but that's a good point. And also looking at the the trivet IMDB for what it's worth, uh, Jack Rainer's uh, Christian made a point of saying that after his his thing that happened at the end of the movie, uh, sorry, before the very end of the movie, he goes running out nude. Um, and the script he was supposed to wear the robe he wore on the way in, but he he told Ari Aster, he's like, There's been too many times where the women get sexualized. And they're vulnerable. He's like, let me just do this. So yeah. he made a point to wear American Werewolf in London, that shit up and run out there and yeah. make it the humiliated one. And credit to him that, you know, like he literally put himself out there to kind of twist that. And, you know, it's, yeah. and it, it, it works. Oh no, it was a, I think, I, I mean, I think male nudity, if you're trying to convey a true sense of horror or a true sense of panic because female nudity in films has been so over sexualized and, and a thing, you know, the, the audience has been trained and especially the male audience that the target demographic, that 25 to 40 year old or 18 to 40 year old male audience has been trained over the years to kind of objectify women to the point where it doesn't matter, you know, that they're in this horrible situation or they've been tortured for the, you know, previous hour of the film, you know, they're still looked at as sex objects that, that whole scene where he's running out naked to me is really, again, really good choice by the actor, good choice by the filmmaker. It, it definitely makes the movie really awkward. And I do love and appreciate that. Uh, about that you know there are these brilliant scenes interspersed through this movie where i'm just like nailed it you know what i mean just totally that's like uh, uh what was that a green green inferno moment of the film where you've got a naked man running around and you got a bunch of crazy cultists and um you know kind of not the same situation but similar in spirit to where it's just like holy crap like you're naked what are you gonna do <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, yeah. in our guest, yeah. he's not and a I, I read that. Go ahead, please. Please, please Jeff. I was just going to say, I read that trivia. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I read, I read that piece of trivia. About, please talk about male nudity some more. Let's keep going. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I just want to say, I read that piece of trivia and I was like, okay. I got to give that guy credit because to put yourself out there like that and oh, yeah. do that. I'm like, that made that moment better. Had he run out in the robe, it would have been like, eh, okay. Yeah. Like it took time to put the robe back on. Yeah. You freaked out. You wouldn't be like, well, let me get dressed. Mm-hmm. You'd have bolted. And I'm like, Where's that makes more going sense. To run to? Like you're four hours away from anything and you're naked in Suntown. Like, where are you going to go? Like, you know, like that's it. Like, I don't know. Like you're going to, yeah. Like, Run of the woods, <laughs> especially without your SPF 30 uh, sunscreen there for, uh, you know, your, your friend that's just sort of exposed. <laughs> yeah. Um, with that tick problem. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we're going to have a standby me moment where they're uh, in the uh, swamp there with the leeches. Um, but Ari Aster makes the point like the, the, so far it's been two movies because I mean, and not, I'm not spoiling hereditary, but when there's nudity in that movie too, it's like, it's, it's very matter of fact and upsetting. And yeah. it also works here too, where like you see it, but it's like, it's not at all. Like it's not done like in the typical way of like, Oh, you want to see this. It's more like, well, this is happening and you're going to have to accept what's going on. Yeah. I, think I think that's also important. Because again, when we get to what was going on with Christian, which by the way, if you want to talk about all, all you, you mentioned uh, Patrick before about like things being on the nose. I mean, the name of the guy named being called Christian, come on, yeah, honestly. Yeah. Um, like, I, I, I'm yeah. not against it, I'm not against that name. I think that's wonderful that the guy named Christian's the one that's the least interested in what's going on and pretends to give a shit. And the, it's like, what's what are all these things about? Hey, what's that tree going on over there? Oh, you guys making Christmas? We got Christmas, like, just it's just you know whatever. Um, I, I think it's very on the nose. And I love it, but, uh, yeah, I just, I think with what there, there is this matter of fact as to the rituals to this, that you, you, as the viewer, I, you, you, you are just a witness, right? We, we are the other traveler with them and yeah. we have to accept yes. or reject what we're seeing. And yes. I think that's an important part of this movie. It's almost like, you know, it reminds me so much of, 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 um, uh, you, you know, the idea of conditioning the viewer is so kind of like what, um, um, God, why can't I think of his name now? The director did with the clockwork orange, you know, where, where the scene where, uh, oh, our, our, our friend, yeah, Co- yeah. Kubrick where Stanley Kubrick, uh, you know, is, is conditioning the main character to violence and to become sickened by violence. And, and, and I almost feel like, you know, Ari Aster's is doing that to his audience. It's like, you can you can accept or reject the images that I'm showing you, but ultimately, if you want to view my film, you're going to have to sit here and watch it, you know. And 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 I I feel like that's kind of what's happening to these the characters in the film, and especially Danny, um, Danny especially, uh, because she's just kind of taken it all in. In her character is just kind of, um, I don't want to say a mute witness, but definitely powerless in the film. She was the least prepared, right? Yeah. Yeah. And when we get to the the cliff diving scene, it's like you um, are just as like, cause like the thing is like, you talk about like not liking the characters. Like I thought I I liked, I liked Josh for the most part, part also because I'm partially uh, I'm, I'm 
partially smitten by William Jackson Harper because he was cheating in the good place. And I adore him in that show. Uh, so it's hard for me not to not like him, (laughs) but but like he knew he's like, he's like, what's going on tomorrow. And then Pele's like cliff diving. He's like, really? And he's like, okay, I guess I gotta check this out. You know? And then like, he didn't, he he was aware that Danny's family was gone. He was like, Oh, by the way, you're going to watch, um, you're going to watch someone split their head open like a melon. Uh, And then, um, then another person's going to fall feet first. Like neither one of them, neither one of those died. Yeah. You know, like, so it's like, he knew he, he could have been like, Hey, maybe sleep in like, here's another Adivan. Just, yeah. You know, like we'll tell you about it later. Cause, cause Will Poulter's character is like, wait, you guys let me sleep in. Like, yeah. Yeah, he He was pissed of all days. You let me, you let me take a nap. I'm like, Oh, God. Okay, yeah. dude, you did not want to see what just went down. Yeah, okay. yeah. he's a big Eli Roth fan. You can just tell, right? Like, yeah, yeah, he's big into the, that series of movies. Yeah, he's a Saw fan. But yeah. let's let's talk about the character of Josh for a second, because that that poor that I feel like the character Josh, you know, um, that character is like, I mean, here he is. He's he's going to Sweden. If there's any, if the the single most other character in the film from the standpoint of the character has got to be Josh. He's there to do, you know, to get information to put together his thesis or whatever his dissertation for his doctorate. Uh, you know, he's, he's just trying to, to make the best of a bad situation. I feel like he's starting to catch on to this stuff very early on in the film. I, I would, and it makes sense from the standpoint of his character. Uh, and then, you know, he totally gets screwed by his buddy, you know, his friend. It's just that poor uh, character endured so much cruelty. <laughs> poor guy. Maybe the guy named Christian is going to come in and take somebody else's work claim on his own. That's not <laughs> what he knows at all. <laughs> that never happened. <laughs> not only not only does Christian walk in and go, hey, I'm also going to do mine on this. And if you want to work together. Like yeah. approaches it like it's his idea, and Josh is like, "Whoa, dude, you're you're being an asshole. I can't yeah. believe you're doing this." Yeah. And then later throws him under the bus. We don't associate yeah. him. We're not friends with him. I'm like, yeah. And he gets that look. The look from Danny is like, "Are you fucking being serious right now?" <laughs> yeah. The moment, the one, the one book, and I want to, like, please before this episode ends, I need to talk about the, the holy books. I need to talk about them so badly. Yes. The moment one of them yes. is taken. Like Christian blames the one African American in the yeah. entire of stealing the book. I'm like, you're you're kidding me. Like yeah. it is like, oh, I don't know where he is, but that book's gone. Guess you got to go do that. It's like, can you just like I already don't like you. I don't I don't like you, um, fake Chris Pratt. Can you not be, you know? <laughs> well, and and I and again, I think that that's the and that that part of the story then pulls me out of the story. And, and, and again, I, I don't know if maybe I'm just not smart enough to understand good filmmaking, but, but Christian's actions and maybe, maybe Ari, you know, Ari Aster is, is making a reference to, you know, the medieval Christian, you know, crusades essentially that happened in Sweden and, and Christian is a stand in for, you know, that historical antecedent. I, I don't know, but but it's so inexplicable why Christian 
because they don't establish that with the exception of the very brief scenes where he seems uncomfortable with strong emotions from his girlfriend. And he seems like your average 20 year old guy who's afraid, well, you know, my girlfriend's hot, but maybe I can't get a hotter girl. Like there's nothing to establish his character as this deeply, uh, this deep seated, just jack off of a human being early on in the film like his his actions to me are are so inexplicable from the standpoint of of the beginning of the film it's like you get an you get a bit of an insight into his character but then to like just totally double cross one of his one of his good friends that he lived with that they you know went to college together with that it just it there's no precedent for it set early on in the film so it really takes me out of the film and it takes me out of of christian's character because you just where's the motivation for that like it's just so out of left field so you know what i mean with with the director's cut there's not the car wash i was lying about that uh (laughs) so uh, the director's cut of the film is available on Apple TV if you have that service, or if you're fortunate enough to to go out and buy like a region free Blu-ray player and go buy it internationally. Um, mm-hmm. Like that's another way, whatever reason, because Apple bought the rights for the U.S., so you're not going to find it anywhere else. Um, there are some additional sequences, and there's a bit on them traveling when they're in the car going like north towards uh, yeah, towards the colony or whatever. Uh, there's a discussion about their um, their thesis or what they call them, prospectus or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, and and Josh is like reading a book that uh, talking about like the the language of the people or whatever, which you know has the Nazi symbol on it. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Um, uh-huh. You know, some Uthark, right? You got to you got to yeah. get into that. You know, it's Scandinavian. Who does the whiter than white? Whatever. Um, not reading too much into that. But- <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I mean, for, I'm a history buff, Paul, so I know that, you know, those, those, the, the, the swastika, not the inverted swastika that well, the Nazis used. Yeah. 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 I was making, I was making, I'm, 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 I'm aiming <laughs> low, much okay. like Ari Aster at the beginning of the film, right? I'm just punching yeah. lower. I'm like, I see, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, which one of those is the, is the, uh, the symbol on Yar's revenge that flies out? I don't know. Yeah. And, um, so. <laughs> Um, is it, is it a good Nazi symbol or the other one? I don't know. Anyway, so, um, good- this discussion that's happening, uh, and then at one point Danny says to Josh, like, well, like, isn't that what yours is going to be on? He's like, I don't know. I oh. haven't made a decision yet. So it seeds that a little bit. Oh man. And See, even when they're in the apartment though, she's like, yeah, but you haven't even figured out what you want to do. And he's like, well, like you see him already being uneven, but that little bit in the director's cut kind of that that brings a little bit more in like it doesn't it doesn't ultimately change his actions but you already see his like like you know shit or get off the pot about his ability inability to pick a subject while yeah. they're car heading north while uh josh is reading up already on the languages yeah. a little bit there there's a little yeah, bit i mean but- yeah that would that would have that would have cleared up. I, I probably now it's probably solidified in my mind that I need to see the director's cut because again, that that little bit of dialogue that could add context to the character character's decision, I would have been like, okay, I get it. Like this guy's a waffler. He's waffling on his girlfriend. He's waffling on emotional commitment and physical commitment. He's waffling on his dissertation or whatever you know final project he's doing for his his coursework. You know, it's just. In the American and in, in the theatrical cut, that seems like such an inexplicable sea change that you're just like, 
who the hell is this guy? You know, like, what is this guy? Uh, is he is he dark man? Like, is he going to wear somebody else's face? Like, <laughs> is it Liam Neeson underneath? He's going to break someone's finger? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it just like yeah. it doesn't make any sense to yeah. me. I think that's where I it, it really. Well, Darkman would have a huge problem in this town because if, <laughs> if the, sun, the sun never goes down, he can only be out for sixty six minutes in the daylight. <laughs> that would have been a big problem. Uh, so um, <laughs> he would have ruled that. He would have, ruled and, that. And, he would have been the god of that cult. <laughs> and ultimately, we see that Christian isn't the one who wears somebody else's face. Yeah, but it does happen. Yeah, yeah. It, it, he doesn't wear somebody yeah. else's face, not not a person's face, but no. yeah. There um, is a face switch yeah, in the film. Oh, yeah. which, which according to um the stuff I was reading, Ulf, who's the gentleman that lost his goddamn mind over uh Will Poulter uh pissing all over the ancestor tree, um that mm-hmm. was supposed to be Ulf wearing uh uh Mark's face in the like the temple. When, when they hammer Josh for like taking photos of the book. Um, yeah. I, I didn't realize that was him, but it makes perfect sense. Cause it was somebody in that village. You, you know, I knew like I was, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't expecting to pull the face off and be like Danny. Like I didn't expect that, but you know, I was uh, definitely getting leather face vibes in that, in that, you know, it was like, the I, I thought it, <laughs> I thought it was the, uh, the inbred person that they showed us because he was making those, <laughs> guttural oh, noises. Man. I was like, oh, oh did they put it on him and just say, hey, walk in there? Because he's just kind of going, so, oh, God. there's no like deep breathing. Can I'm I, like, you guys a question so, about the, the inner inbreeding portion of the, the colony. Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. So I thought I had a sure. revelation and my wife, like she kind of shot me down. And of course I want to believe I'm right. So I'm going to pitch it to you guys about this. Uh, two things. One, the idea that they purposely inbreed so they can create like these like prophets, right. That are clear minded. And that's what you see the, the, the person there with the finger paints, like, you know, in the books. Right. And then they, they interpret it. Um, like look at how many books are in that church. Those are all finger paintings. Like who makes the decisions? Like that is <laughs> crazy to me. That's scary. That it's like, it, it, I don't know if that's taking the piss out of the notion that you could take any religious text and take what you want out of it. If you want to force a point, like maybe that's the context. Yeah. Um, but then the other thing too, is they talk about how, like, because it's inbred, they have a clear thought process and like, they're, they're basically they're clear minded or with it, whatever, or unclouded as I guess what they said. Unclouded, at, yes. Uh, at the end of the movie, you see that, that person on a cloud finger painting, but then when they get to the, the, the actual points of sacrifice, they, they point out Pele and they say, uh, your unclouded vision brought us this may queen Pele has been an artist, the entire film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. is he one of them? Is he one of the unclouded? Is he a, a, a result of inbreeding? Like, yeah, I mean, it's, like, oh, oh wow. Yeah. It blew my mind because it's like, but then oh. like, we got some big discussion about it. And I was like, just because I was like, just because you're inbred doesn't mean you're not capable of functioning. I was like, look at the Royal family. Prince Phillips just passed away. Yeah. Um, but it's like, cause you see him like always drawing art and always like drawing things all the time. And yeah. him, you mentioned his like very, like very innocent and likable face. Like you just, you, you wonder about that. And yeah. And it's like, and then you talk about in, in, in Patrick, you mentioned earlier how you felt like people are like, well, he masterminded it all. I don't know if he did, but I believe he thinks he did because he had the clarity of vision to believe he was going to do it. I oh, think yeah. that's a big thing. 
Um, so that's the part that blew my mind, like on my, my, this time watching through, cause I heard, cause why would you use that familiar phrasing, right? To describe the person that is finger painting in these books and also describing one of the characters we got to know, like yeah, that's, and- that, that seems oddly specific to me. Hey, uh, I, I do wow. think that, sorry, Paul, I'm going to jump in there. Please, please, please. It was like out of all of the people in this film, you know, and, and out of, out of the, the original five characters that you meet, you know, towards the beginning of the film, Pele is, uh, or Pele or whatever his name is, he is the most likable, right? He's the most relatable. He's, he's the one commiserating with Danny. Uh, he's, he's the gregarious one. He's embracing his fellow cult members. Um, he seems to be the peacemaker amongst the group of friends of, uh, a group of unlikable people. Um, you know, I, I mean, it, it would, it would make sense that the, here's a guy who's, you know, extremely clever or maybe not extremely clever, but who's, you know, so bought into the cult ideology and so bought into his mission, um, you know, that he's able to read these people clearly and clearly understand their motivations and, and, you know, bring home the, uh, metaphorical bacon to the cults. <laughs> yeah, he, may, he might have a high emotional intelligence, which is yeah. above, right? And then yeah. also, like, there's the bit too where, um, oh, what was I going to say about him? Like, I, when he talks about Danny, like, do you know how, you know, do you, like, do you know what it's like to be held? But he, but he even says to them, and this is something that, like, I've watched this movie four times um, now, right? So I, but I didn't, I didn't watch it three times in one week like Jeff did. Um, <laughs> I saw it, I saw the, the theatrical run, and then uh, just a brief side note, they had the director's cut for like a week. And um, I caught it, but they had problems with the projection of it. So the framing was weird. So when you got to the additional scenes where they're speaking in like their native tongue, we couldn't see the subtitles. We're like, what is going on? Like it was very frustrating. So we bought the record at home and watched it. I'm like, we can see the words now. This makes more sense. You know, so that was like, that was great. Um, But he says to to Danny specifically, he's like, I lost my parents in a fire. Yeah. what kind of fire are we talking about? Is yeah, it yeah. a particular type of triangle house? Cause I'm yeah. thinking that's what happened. <laughs> no, what it's totally what happened. I mean, I mean, it's all, but I, I if yeah. we, if we, if we use the movie, uh, if we use clues in the movie as a signpost for the character's motivations, or, or if we assume that Ari Aster is telegraphing the character's motivations in a, in a really kind of literal and, and, you know, creative way, then 100%, Pele's parents died in that fire because it would explain his buy-in to, to the cult. And, and, you know, it, it, it's really strange to me, like, what are the chances that, that this guy's parents were, you know, randomly selected or, you know, I, I think they could also volunteer going on there. There was the Powerball thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They they had the Powerball drawing and it's like, it's it's just yeah it's really it that film that 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 aspect of the cult is to me again inexplicable disturbing you're just like what the actual f is happening here you know so uh yeah. Jeff, see this is please go ahead i was going to put i was going to ask you a question but please you have a point like please i was going to say uh what you guys have just touched on. And this is why I'm not an intelligent film watcher. Cause it takes me a few times to catch things. Are you unclouded? Now that you've brought You're forward unclouded. the Pelly thing. <laughs> I'm clouded. Where are your finger paints? <laughs> <laughs> They're actually right here. If you can hear, I have the pages right here. 
Like, I don't even know. Like, it's, <laughs> and really quickly, Jeff, I don't want to derail what you're about to say, but can we talk about the kid looking like one of the creatures, or I don't want to say creatures, one of the <laughs> irradiated mutants from the remake of The Hills Have Eyes, where, you know, they break into that house in the, uh, the 1950s style house in the uh, nuclear uh, site test town. And there's that dude laying in the chair and the kid from mm-hmm. Midsummer, kind of resembling a bit, a bit resembling those yeah, nuclear. It, <laughs> I was just like, it was, it, it was so over the top. It was, it was just, <laughs> it was a bit heavy handed. I mean, okay. Have you, have you, either of you guys seen, uh, don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice. In the <laughs> Not the director. A couple cut. of these scenes just missed. <laughs> well, the director's cut has a cliff diving scene if you can get a hold of that. <laughs> but in some aspects, as we're discussing this, I'm feeling these certain moments that happen, and especially with seeing the kid, we just needed Keenan Ivory Wayans popping up going, Message. Yeah. Like, but I hey, down this whole society because they're all. I mean, you know, it's kind of almost like that, the idea of perfection, like in some people's minds, right? Like it is this, you know, perfect, perfect white, like, like Vista, yeah. whatever. Right. And, and it almost feels like the more disfigured you are, the closer to God you are. Like, I almost <laughs> feel like that's the way it would feel like, cause you're the most clouded because you're not one of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, but you're right. It is, it is off putting, but it's like, it is, it's the one outside of the violence. It's the one smudge. Like, and I'm not trying to like say that person's a smudge, but it's like the one like imperfection of their community. Yeah. And of course it it just stand out a lot. It it is horrific and over the top, but (laughs) it's kind of hammy, Paul. It just struck me as a bit hammy, like making him that, you know, I I mean, I don't know. I just, I was kind of a literal cloud at the end. I still have questions about, but (laughs) I mean, it's part of the process, I guess. Yeah. there's a lot of things that go on here where like, oh, that's how the sausage is made. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> that's fine at this point. It's like, yeah, wow, that the Habsburg chin really took a bad turn or, or a, a, a hard left in Sweden. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> no, you just don't expect for them to ask for like in their, their ring man to cut them right. To be like, cut me. it was bad. It was bad. But I, I understand why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I was so, well, ask, you, you had a question you wanted to ask. I was going to ask, ask you, Jeff, because I mean, this is you know, like you, I, I, Patrick. When did like you watch this film? But like, did you watch it again recently, or have you just watched it the one time? Like, I just it, watched it the one time, and but it was really affecting. There, there were scenes that because there's a lot that's sticking with you, and I think that's a good sign of a. I mean, whether however you feel about the movie, I think yeah. it'll show you how affecting a movie is if it sticks with you, right? So, oh, it really so, was. Yeah. So, yeah, so Jeff, really I'm gonna put this to you because this year, like, you watched it for the first time of three mm-hmm. uh, recently. Um, how did you feel about like, once you kind of you start kind of coming around to the notion of the shared experience with the breathing and the harmonizing of the people and <laughs> how like the synchronicity of all of it, how it all kind of like, there's like, um, even with like the eating where like, w- like none of them would start until like the specific people started. Um, there's a bit where in the background, uh, while the main characters are talking, you see five people con- like consulting a baby and they're all kind of getting in the same like they're, they're all getting in sync. And then with Danny, when eventually like, 
we didn't, we're not even getting into like the the finally when she cries in front of somebody is the moment she's accepted because she's always fighting showing her true emotion around anybody until the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how did you feel about the synchronicity of the, of the group? Because I think that's something that is there and just keeps slowly seeping into you of like this is this is a shared experience amongst all of them. How would you feel about that? Well, the first time I watched it, I wasn't. I wasn't quite sure what was happening. I was like, is it a shared experience? I'm like, is there something else going on where they're feeling the same things these people are going through? Are they feeling the pain that the guy was going through when he fell off the cliff? Were they feeling Danny's pain when she was crying? I wasn't sure. So Leanne and I talked about it. She goes, no, it's more of a shared experience. Like, because they're all so close, it's just what they do. I yeah, like, I, don't, I don't think it's a spirit. Oh, I I, think- it went over my head. Yeah, I, think I was thinking, is there a supernatural thing. element going on that I didn't quite pick up on? So I, I was a little confused, but seeing it again the next two times, I understood more of what they were doing. It's like, it's a shared experience. This is how they live. This is how they all feel together. They grieve together. They All of this, and it brings them closer is what I think ultimately is what that's leading to. Oh yeah. And and I think that's a big thing, especially like the first time you see Danny actually have like, like relief is the last shot of the movie. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think that's important, but like, even when they're in the, the, the LSD fields and she's trying to run to the outhouse and be like a Nope, Nope, Nope. She's trying not to cry in front of people. And then later on, uh, there's a bit where she runs near the, the, the final house, um, the triangle house. And she's trying to like, not like break down because one, like it pisses Christian off because he doesn't want his, his mopey girlfriend to be mopey because she lost her family. Cause yeah. Christian's a jackass. But also like, I think that she doesn't want <laughs> her burden, anybody else's burden, which is a big part of this film is that she doesn't have to go it alone. And, yeah. and it's like, and it's a right. weird therapeutic thing considering the amount of horrific like murder we see in this movie yeah which is right which is kind of strange too paul you make a great point because the horrific murder with the exception of of the last maybe 20 minutes 20 minutes of the film all of the horrific murder you see the result but you don't they don't actually portray it on screen Mm-hmm. which I thought was a kind of a cool choice because it definitely adds to the tension. It's, it's almost Hitchcockian in a way how this, this it's implied, you know what I mean? It's like the it's most venture. It's very venture yeah. like where it's like, you always see either, you know, or you see the aftermath. You don't see the actual process. And it's like, yeah. it's yeah. Which is almost like, that's not the point. And the, the, which I get, like, you know, you could easily shown uh, the one dude where like when he gets like strung up in the chicken coop, um, yeah. uh, that's his name. Um, Oh, oh I, the, I remember. Simon. Simon. Uh, Simon. There, there's something yeah. called the blood Eagle, which I was reading about, which is an yeah. original, like, oh, supposedly yeah. ritualistic thing where I didn't realize that he was still alive technically until like the fourth time through watching this movie. Yeah. Like, that is horrific, you know, like, yeah. um, and, and like, and I think that's the most visceral thing you see aside from, um, Josh getting clocked in the head and the two willing participants, right? <laughs> yeah. The Logan's run, the Logan's run. Yeah. yeah. Which I was going to, I made that joke while watching the movie the last time they're like, we've been watching Austin powers. I'm like, you've seen Logan's run, haven't you? <laughs> 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 but, now, but I, yeah, I do want to, I, I want to ask you guys 
Go ahead, Pat. Go ahead. Oh no, go for it, Jeff. I was just gonna. I was just gonna say, um, you know, in regards to the the communal sort of nature of the of the cult, I think I think that's a really uh, you know Ari Aster made a, a deliberate sort of choice there to kind of show that that very subtle kind of process of cult programming, right? Like the shared experience, the 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 oddness of it, right? Because as of the as an audience member, when you see these people, you know, freaking out on cue or when you see them participating in the pain of of, you know, uh, a person who may or may not have ended up joining the cult and ruling as the uh, May Queen in perpetuity for, you know, uh, you know, it's 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 like your insight into like, oh wow, this is how this cult works, and it's very disturbing. It's there, it created conflict in me. It was very affecting for me, right? Like it, it created this weird sense of like, if I were the character, do I do I join it? Do I let it happen? Do I stop? You know, and and eventually, like when you see in Pele, you see that 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 becomes second nature and all the cult members, it's totally second nature. They're not, they're not in any way sort of self aware. Uh, they're just in it and they're just experiencing it. And it is so terrifying to know that that's how real world cults operate. I, I thought that was a really uh, good decision on the part of uh, Ari to, to include that sort of in, in the film. Right. And and real brief on that, on on the watch I did today, I was watching that scene where we see the two elders essentially sacrifice themselves in their, you know, not so graceful swan dives off the cliff. <laughs> I was watching you know, the people as they you know reacted, they and there's people. a few. <laughs> you know, they saw other people, they saw other elders die before them. You know, like, you know that they had to figure that out ahead of time. Like, they, they've had. <laughs> 70 years they, to figure this out, right? They they needed a little panache. You know, they needed some yeah. showmanship. Like, yeah. Like, not a belly flop, but if you did but, like you know, a cannonball or something, or uh -huh, like a yeah. can opener, I don't know, like a, a ham and eggs off the, yeah. <laughs> the top. Or like a nest lunch. Like, like, like a nest. triple Lindy. Like a triple Yo, Lindy. Yeah. School. Triple, triple Lindy would have done the job or like a, a backwards nesty plunge off the uh, the old uh, sacrificial rock there. See more and you, you see know, I'm Red Bull Flyers. I'm, they try to I'm get gonna throw out my love of <laughs> I I love pro wrestling, so I would have you know appreciated like a macho man style elbow or somebody doing like an Eddie Guerrero frog, frog splash. Oh my god. Frog splash <laughs> off of a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's gonna leave a mark. Easy shooting star press at that height. You could do. You could do a shooting star press. It's oh. fine. You know, it's fine. No, if you know what would have been amazing uh. is a tombstone pile driver. If they both jumped off <laughs> <Yeah>. together. <laughs> oh, and, no. and we would have just needed Jr. going. By God, they're dead. They killed themselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my where God. where have we gone? I derailed. I'm going to beat it and then put it into the eternal fire. So <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. It's what I. It's what oh, I. Yeah. Sorry. Please, we're having a very serious conversation. I'm like, oh, what about trick jumps? <laughs> you know, or, or just like if somebody had said, "Wait, wait, wait," and they set up a table right on the rock, so they could have just slammed right through the table. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. Oh, that would have oh, been amazing. Man. No, no, that, that was great. I loved every second of that. Uh, briefly, I was just saying that I was watching the people's reactions. And there are some that were more into it bodily. They were throwing themselves over. They were heaving. The children were kind of moving around violently. And a few of the older people were just standing there. Yeah. making the noises they weren't really moving i was like okay that's interesting that was interesting for me to see i'm like there's different levels to how they're all feeling it yeah it nonetheless a, they're all sharing in that experience it, it, i talk about like was, I, I, I went to a, a pentecostal church like in high school and it was like one of the more like mainstream so there's like no snakes no drinking of battery acid whatever right but it was more of the speaking in tongues and the prophesying and all that bullshit and just seeing like the the level of interactivity in the in the church and the crowd and the reading response, that's why like with this, it's like I don't see it. It's that much different. Yeah, these people jump to their death, but and people are reacting. It's not that dissimilar to the things I. I mean, other than like you know the people jumping to their death, it only happened like like around Easter. It didn't happen every every like. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but <laughs> like, in terms of like just the the shared experience the shared emotional experience like i i get that just because of just like um that patrick you keep using the word cult i would just like I, you, you flip that around with like religion or like lifestyle like i this is the, the that kind of vibe of like you're all included no matter what like my big disillusionment with um a lot of things and i'm not going to get like psychoanalyze myself but I was baptized Pentecostal. I never once spoke in tongues because I was believing it was gonna be like a lightning bolt from God and I wasn't in control of myself. And that was never the case. And people started looking at me weird because I wasn't doing those things. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I think you're all making it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. It up. Like, and eventually I was like, well, if that doesn't feel right, what about the rest of this? And I started pulling some threads and making some decisions. Um, you know, long story short, I didn't eat the pie is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. so, but, but I have a question for you guys. So, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I keep using the term cult and, and maybe that's, you know, maybe that's a bit presumptuous of me. I, I, I don't know. But film description here, like you even go to IMDb, it's just some of the, it's this pagan cult. I'm like, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's an, and I'm not, I'm not saying you're saying the wrong word. No, no, I no. Think that people should like, and the, I think that these people, this group of people, as much as the things they do are kind of screwed up. I mean, what there's a lot of screwed up things in the name of religion. There, there's a weird sympathy to them too. That's, I was that's, say, yeah. That leads to my question, Paul, and, and I want to ask you guys: Do you think Ari Aster was trying to portray these this community of people in a sim- sympathetic light to the to the viewer? Because you know, I get the sense, Paul, that 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 by the end of the film, you're not really judging, or at least it, I, I get the sense from your experience in life you know, and, and, and what you're bringing to the film as a viewer, I get the sense that, that I don't know if you sympathize with this community, but I get the sense that you're not judging them and you're kind of taking a step back and looking at them and their, you know, their rituals objectively. Do you think that was like a, a choice? And, and same question to you, Jeff, do you think that was a, 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 that, a thing that Ari Aster was trying to do was trying to get the viewer of the film to instantly kind of buy in, you know, like, cause there's, it sounds like you guys have a little bit of buy-in in terms of, well, Hey, maybe this isn't a cult, you know, maybe these people aren't, you know, uh, explicitly or, or, or malicious or, or, you know, um, they're, they're just 
this is how they live. You know, I, I wonder if that was a, a deliberate attempt by the director to get the viewer to, to look at this community of people that way, sympathetically or, or just at least non-judgmentally. Paul, do you want to go first? Or, <laughs> or, I, you I, know I, what? I'll jump in. I'll jump in. Please, please. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely kind of, by the end of the film, more understood a little bit of what they were doing. I didn't fully buy in, but I was like, well, this is how they operate. This is how they've done this for years. It's just different than how we live our lives day to day. Yeah. I don't fully agree with everything, but I understand their belief of, well, these people, when they reach a certain age, they give themselves back. It's like recycling. And then the next children that are born will inherit those names. And that person sort of lives on through the community. It's, it's weird. It's off putting, but by the end I was like, okay, it's just how they live. It's sort of like, like an Amish community, like Paul was saying, they have yeah. their way of living. We may not understand it, yeah. but that's just how they are. This is now. This is the extreme version of that because yeah. the Amish, from what I understand, are very you know nice folk. Yeah, for the most part, I, I don't think anyone is that's a great thing. But there's not a lot of ritualistic murder that goes on. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, uh, right. Like, yeah, I, there, was, there was the old joke of like, like, like if you if you did like the, the sound of like uh, like um like you know how coconuts like uh, the the Monty Python with the horses like you hear the coconuts and it's like <laughs> bang and the, the coconuts going faster. It's like what's that? That's an Amish drive by. Like that's like you can't. There's not a lot of violence there because like yeah. how fast can you pull away with a horse and buggy? Oh, yeah. like shooting somebody not very fast. You know. Yeah. I think there's a lot of murder, like a lot of ritualistic murder in the Amish communities. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I think and and I, Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Jeff. Just a lot of, butter. I was just gonna say Leanne and I were, were talking about this and she was like, yeah, I totally understand where they're coming from. I get what their community is and her and her eyes. She was saying, you know, we may not understand it. She goes, but I don't see anything wrong if that's how they live their life. They're not, you know, it's not like they're going out. Well, she just understood what they were doing. Yeah, I I understood, but at the same time, I'm like, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you empathize. This was like you're still you're still bringing in people from the outside, and they're being murdered. Yeah. So you can give your sacrifice. I'm like, yeah. That's, that's where I'm like, hey, you know, that's that's kind of stepping outside the boundaries. You want to do it yeah. amongst yourselves. That's fine. It's but like, even then, it's like cool. when you cross that line, I'm like. And that's what that was sitting here shaking her head going, no, that's fine. (laughs) And that's what was objectively, that's what was again, another strange element to the film was that, was that these, this was a group of people that was objectively committing murder and, and doing, you know, objectively evil things, you know, things that wouldn't pass in, in a normal society. But, you know, as the viewer, you're kind of like, in this weird space of like, you know, well, just leave, you know what I mean? It's just like, you just leave these people alone. But it, it's, it was so weird to me. It was, it, again, I keep going back to inexplicable. And then that's just how I, that's why this film was so, uh, I think affecting to me was, I was just so, like, 
I'll say this um, on top of everything else I've said so far <laughs> is that um, like with, if you saw at the beginning when they were all brought in um, like the beginning of the opening ceremonies or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, there were other travelers brought in and then the, the one lead person spoke English for everybody. Like there was other characters there and I'm not talking just the other couple. There were other people there in like regular clothes, not white gowns. We don't know what right. happened. Yeah. So, like what I'm saying is like, cause they're not, and they're not in the pyramid. Right. So they're, they're like, you know, it's almost like you talk about this being murder, which it straight up is. I'm not saying they didn't kill these people, but I'm going to see in their mind, it's a value judgment of like, we've selected this group. And if they could follow what we believe, cool. But if they've proven folly, then they're worthy of sacrifice, which I, again, I don't agree with, but it's not dissimilar to a lot of major religions, you know, like just, Oh, you didn't follow the rules. I guess you're dead now. Like, and that's, that's the part that is like, well, that, that seems kind of in line, but, um, so they're sympathetic in the sense of like, they're just like, they're, they're doing what they've been doing for years. I will also throw out there. Um, I, um, I just want to point out though, at the very end of, when the, in the triangle, the two guys that volunteer, I think within the last seconds of their, of, of the place going up, they realized that they got a, a wrong bill of goods. Yeah. So that's already after showing like yeah. they believe until they're both set on fire. Oh but, yeah, definitely. You could tell that they, they definitely did not feel like they got uh, everything that was uh, promised on that particular bill of sale. Uh, yeah. By their facial expressions and, and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when, when, when you, you know, it's all, it's all fine and dandy when they're loading all the dead straw into the, into the house and, and you're sitting there relaxing and just kind of, you know, thinking about what might happen. But when, you know, flames actually are licking your chin, uh, yeah, (laughs) that's the time you start regretting some poor decisions, you know? (laughs) Um, so here, you guys probably have a question about like some of the bodies in the pyramid. And I can mention that on the way out here. Cause I know we, there's a lot to dig into this, right? Yeah. And I think we're so going to cover all of it. Um, the young lady, yeah. uh, the, the, the fiance, um, what's her name here? Um, Connie, Connie. left. Um, we don't know what happened to her, yeah. but, but she's in the pyramid at the end. Because there's a bit in the movie in the director's cut whenever a Christian goes over to talk to uh, the girl that made the love rune, and we don't have to even get into the, the group sex thing. That's oh, just God. Yeah, uh, that's we just the, the less said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So um, he talks to her, and it's like, what's going on with this tree? It's like it's part of a holiday or whatever. He's writing notes. There's a deleted scene showing what happens to that tree, and they take it and throw it into this like uh, creek to sacrifice to the goddess. And they're like, but the goddess is still hungry. So they're going to threaten to throw a, a young person in there. And then um, they don't um, because uh, Danny steps forward to say, don't do this or whatever. Right. It's just, it, it does. It was a back-to-back scene of her watching them do terrible things to people. So I could see why they didn't cut it, why they cut it for the theatrical. But at the very end in the director's cut, you see Connie waterlogged and, and covered in ornaments being drugged into the pyramid So she was the sacrifice to the mother of the Creek or whatever it was. So that I just want to explain to you guys, because there's one body in there that you didn't see that much Mm -hmm. of. It was Connie. She got drowned and, and and with a a large rock put on her and that was it for her. So, Hey, can we talk about really quickly? Can we talk about the, this, the tree of the elders that was more like a stump? (laughs) 
I, I'm just I, that's the elephant in the room. It, it really wasn't a tree. It was it was like a really interesting stump, but it was still a stump, right? Or or was I so in 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 such a a a, uh, a delusion at that point, and in such a stupor over this film that I miss saw that the that Josh was uh, or not Josh. Um, yeah, was it the character? Not Josh. It was uh, Mark. Was basically oh, taking a piss Mark. on their sacred stump. It was a bur- it was a tree that collapsed that was like burnt. <laughs> they put all the ashes of their elders on. So he was peeing on a dead tree. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and he even a- pointed that out. Yeah. He blatantly pointed that out. He goes, "It's dead. What does it matter? It's <laughs> a dead no. tree." They're like, oh, but it houses the spirits of our dead. He's like, but it's also a dead friggin' tree. Where <laughs> yeah. else did you want me to pee? Yeah, it's funny because, like, especially earlier in the movie when he looks at Olf, he's like, "That guy's going to kill me and wear my oh, skin." Yeah. Me, and then that's actually what happens. Like, <laughs> he does it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I'm sorry, guys. This movie telegraph. I, I, and again, I don't know if those were deliberate. They had to have been they deliberate were, choices. They were all okay. Yeah, they were all, especially later, like earlier yeah. on. Whenever, it's like, what are they doing? It's like those kids are playing a game called Skiing the Fool. Well. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Like, yeah. You know, like, you know. They telegraphed that because we all knew, okay, Mark's the fool. When's it yeah. coming? And it yeah. came. So yeah. I think I think maybe we can just jump to uh, final thoughts, what we thought. One thing I do want to mention here is I thought the ending of the film with Danny sort of accepting where she ended up and her smiling at the end, to me, was very reminiscent of The Witch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where there's tragedy where do i fit in i'm alone well wait there's this group that's accepting of me i guess i'm fine i'll yeah, be fine any color family i was like okay be fine yeah i like yeah. that i i have a different so, take on the ending and i have a different I, I mean i this film there's so much to unpack that we could talk about this for another episode but uh and i'm totally available for that if you guys want to do that but the uh the the ending, I, I I kind of have a different hot take on that because, you know, when you think about the group all sort of doing this weird, I don't want, I keep making these judgments here. They're all kind of engaging in this group communal mourning, right? And it's very obvious and, and they're all sort of tearing at themselves. And um, Danny's the only one who's feeling a different emotion that the rest of the community isn't outwardly expressing. I don't know if they're feeling it internally, but... Um, it kind of made me go, huh? So she still is an outsider. She hasn't fully, you know, uh, bought into the, into the ideology or, you know, maybe she hasn't completely emptied her cup of the old, uh, Kool-Aid there. Um, so it, it definitely left me in this limbo state where I was just like, well, either she's going to be, you know, the next person to, to be in the house or, you know, she lives her life with the cult. It was a really, I was just like, it's like, again, if, if we, if we think about the calculated choices by Ari Aster, uh, and, and the telegraphing of, of essentially the plot to the, to the audience, it really kind of like made me think, okay, so what, what is truly going on with this character? You know what I mean? I think that's a perfectly good way to end, like to to feel right. Yeah. So I think that's a, I think that's yeah. a good spot to land on because you're like, what is going to happen next? Like, and I think that's, I think that's a good conversation to consider. 
right going forward. And I think that's, I don't know, like I, I, um, I think this movie's wonderful and I think it's an important film in terms of if you got, if people like, like horror and want to experience something different and kind of twist your brain a little bit and then get your heart ripped out repeatedly. Yeah. Uh, it's, I think, I think it's worth it. I think it's a uh, masterfully done. Um, and bring me more, you know? Oh That's, yeah. I, yeah. Paul, I can, I can totally see midsummer, uh, midsummer two rise of Baphomet or mother of Satan, you know, midsummer where, where, spring break. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where, you know, she, she gives birth to the Baphomet goat monster uh a la <laughs> a vis-a-vis uh vhs2 i can't remember which vhs oh, version God. it was where <laughs> you know baphomet is is born from his mom like totally let's make it happen kind of emotional like this that will leave you in that kind of <laughs> same spot i would recommend the remake of suspiria that's on amazon prime that's also like a two and a half hour movie and we're not gonna get into that right now but if you want something that's gonna mess with no. you with a spot like there you go. So I still have to get to that one. Yeah, but me too. Midsummer two spring break should have the car wash scenes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yes, yes. Definitely. Exactly. Like Zach Because if you're calling it spring break, I mean, oh yeah, you're calling it spring break. Oh yeah, we need a team of 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 Swedish flight attendants. Swedish team who belong to the community who are, who are trying to recruit a busload of horny uh, bros, college bros. Uh, <laughs> Hostel host, for midsummer spring break. <laughs> Hostel for. Oh, so man. You want to set this in the 80s as well? I mean, oh, man. Yes. Like American okay. Horror Story. Yeah. The sleepaway camp right, or whatever. So <laughs> I know I know that we have gone way longer than I anticipated on this because there's so much to unpack. That's my so point. I'm gonna leave this to you guys. Do we do we I think we all kind of just went our own ways here and I'm I'm fine with that, but I don't want to keep you guys here any longer than absolutely necessary. <laughs> do we want to put a pin in this and maybe come back for another brief session and unpack a little bit more? Or do we wanna call this our show i mean we can do two parts and we can schedule another another call i'm whatever I mean, I you guys want i'm down for whatever. in honor of the midnight sun i want to say no because the sun <laughs> has to set sometime and i think there's a lot here and <laughs> yeah. we've not covered like i think this is a dense film and we're not going to cover everything like yeah. like did you guys even see the right. face in the trees because there was a face in the trees literally at one point oh uh, of the scenes and it never happened again we're not going to talk about oh. that but it happened it's- Oh man, there's I've so read much. Yeah. It, I didn't see it. I got I gotta watch the movie again. But yeah. I mean yeah. I'm I'm ready to do it. Uh you know, if you guys want to do it, I'm I'm okay with it. But you know, we have to you have to promise me that we'll review Mandy at some point too, the Nicolas Cage vehicle yeah. by Mandy. Like that's I, another the two hours. We'll get into I still <laughs> have to watch I still have to watch Mandy. Oh, we'll still have to watch. It's going to be an hour and a half conversation about There's... the Cheddar Goblin. We'll just do it then. It's oh, be... the Cheddar Goblin. Yeah, one hundred percent. We're going to spend. We're going to spend that an hour the on only, the Cheddar that Goblin. That is the only thing I know about. Oh, the, the Cheddar, Cheddar Goblin, Goblin is the only thing I know oh, about that movie because I looked it up. I had to look it up. Oh, Paul, you saw it, right? I saw. Yeah, I got to see it in the theater. It was crazy. Oh, chain, chainsaw duel, oh, Jeff. Yes, you so got to. Let's let's just oh. do this. Let's we we will we'll table midsummer and we'll go <laughs> to other M films. And if you, whenever you guys want to do Mandy, I'll I'll watch that again. Oh, I'm I'll watching watch it again. Cage. 
I'll watch Nick Cage get just violent as all get out and <laughs> underwater drinking vodka in a bath. Yeah. And we'll talk I, about that. That we'll do that. That that yeah. is the anti midsummer. Yeah. That's that the is the anti midsummer. Mandy is is it is it it has the same sort of there's there's dif, dif, there's, dif, a there's a triangle house. There's there's a, tri- <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's, a there's a love situation was, happening there. Yeah. There's a, a a horribly toxic love affair. There's a cult. There's some lumpy people. I mean, Nick Cage. We'll just talk about it. it's fine. <laughs> Jeff. Oh yeah, Mandy. Right. Mandy, sorry, Jeff. I didn't mean to derail the midsummer <laughs> yeah. podcast no, with Mandy. No, 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 no. You're you're fine. I think we've all said our our piece on midsummer to this point. So, Pat, I know Paul. You you said no, but Pat, if you and I want to schedule another call at some point, we can go a little bit deeper into midsummer if yeah. we want. Yeah, I I'm perfectly can. fine with that. My apologies. And I'm then I'll say this four times. I'm good. Paul's over. He's done. Paul, I I understand. I understand. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. But I I think the three of us should reconvene for Mandy at some point. Oh yeah. I will watch it, and I'll you know we'll we'll get together. We'll use that group chat and inside baseball. I'm not editing any of this out because you know I like people to know what's what may be coming. Yeah, and we'll yeah. we'll get together and discuss Mandy. But I will say, I will say, the Chainsaw Duel better be damn good because I have a high bar set after watching Texas Chainsaw Two with oh, Dennis oh, Hopper yeah. and oh, the Chainsaw oh. Fight. So no, you, <laughs> you yeah. It, I mean, it's it's. Let's just say size matters. Okay, it's, Jeff. It's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and let's just say and, and and you can thank me and Paul when when we get together to do the Mandy episode because uh it it's going to change your life. Um all yeah, right. It's, it's on Shutter too. So we'll like I encourage everybody else to watch it on Shutter and um yeah, we'll get to Mandy at some point. That would be amazing. Oh, oh so good. <laughs> so good. All right. So I'm going to leave this up to you guys. Uh, do you guys have anything to promote? Anything social-wise? I know, Paul, you got your podcast, so I'll let you do that. If there's anything else, Pat, same with you. So open floor to you guys. Put out whatever you want. I want you to spend time promoting your podcast, my friend, because I don't I don't really have anything other than... <laughs> other than a Mandy Watch 2021. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I, I host two podcasts because I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, I do Invasion of the Podcast with my co-host Steve, and we uh, talk about all things pop culture. Um, we had just recently talked about the documentary Last Blockbuster. Um, and, and then we're going to pivot wildly into Clerks too, because, you know, you go from videotapes to videotapes. Um, and, but we cover everything too. This, this year is the year of the sequel. So once a month we cover a sequel to see if it's like if it's worthy of what happened before. We recently covered uh, RoboCop 2. We talked about... Ooh. The Donner cut of Superman two. Um, it's, it's there's there's a lot of fun to be had there. And then we recently talked about Freddy versus Jason. You know that high art. You guys can find that evasion of the podcast. The other show that I do is called Strange Highways with my co-host Terry, and we've been watching the original Twilight Zone series um, episode by episode chronologically, and we're now uh, into the midpoint of season five. So we're at the very like we're at the the the, the goal lines near. So uh, Paul, oh, your wow. question for you: uh, You're not going to stuff me in that dirty old trunk now would you or what <laughs> or i forgot the <laughs> the dummy the dummy episode <laughs> oh the dummy no no that was okay. yeah we're not gonna throw you in a trunk uh you know uh, that was a good episode uh but uh you know but no we were halfway through season five um it's bittersweet getting towards the end of that series but we've been watching episode by episode you guys can follow us there we're about to cover um 
uh, was it season five, episode 20 from Agnes with love spoiler. It's not good. Uh, but we're going to talk about it, <laughs> we, uh, you know, it's, it, but it's been fun to kind of like dig in and let things soak in, like watching it like episode by episode. Cause it's easy to binge watch things anymore and kind of forget everything. So it's been, it's been fun to kind of really get in and let things kind of ruminate. Right. So, but yeah, that's the two shows I do. Um, yeah, I, and I talk a lot. I hope, I hope if people like me talking, <laughs> I apologize. I'm the reason this episode went long. That's my fault. No, I apologize. I- I love it. I love it. I, you know, um, Hey, if you ever do an episode on, uh, the seventies film with, uh, Anthony Hopkins and, uh, what was her name? Um, redhead, the movie magic, we which just was, Oh God. Ago. We just yeah, covered it, three episodes ago. Honestly, uh, you should have uh, listen. That was I'm the first time I watched out. magic from uh, 76 or something. Yeah, we just uh, really covered that because Burgess Meredith was in that and he yes. was in four episodes of the twilight zone. Yeah. And Margaret, it's, Anthony yeah. Hopkins. It's, it's Which wonderful. Is, and yeah. it's covered it. So look at that. I'm sorry. You couldn't be on. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I showed that movie to Leanne thinking it would be something fun to watch, and we both walked away going, "Uh, no, no." Like Hopkins is good, but I don't know. Do I came away not really. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> do that episode, Jeff. I should do that. Yeah, yeah. it's on yeah. HBO Max. You guys should cover that. But no, we literally just <laughs> we covered can, like two or three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Leanne's got to be in on that episode. A few episodes here. Yeah, yeah Leanne, no. I'll put Leanne on the magic episode so she can vent to everyone about how much she We're gonna do another episode too. Oh, we man. gotta we gotta Wait, do the so, Tom Hanks 80s vehicle uh mazes and monsters. You know, yeah, yeah, because like look at this. You got you got um Midsummer, <laughs> yeah. you got magic, and yeah. you got mazes and monsters. Oh, oh. I, I, think, all star. I, think, I think you've all I think you found your your uh your groove here, Jeff. It's the everything M. Like it's all <laughs> blockbuster what? lineup starting in the ends we are having a revelation it should be in movies there you go yes that's, that's your theme for me movie reviews by alphabetical order who's done that <laughs> a to z all movies ever all right, and, and make sure you say that you uh copyright jeff uh <laughs> alphabetical movie review <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get a trademark on that and everything. Yeah, so, yeah. Because yeah, I'm looking at my shelf here and I'm like, oh geez, I have all these in alphabetical order. Oh my god. <laughs> Starting go. with numbers and then going through. Ooh, numbers. Yeah, or characters, but, uh, special characters. I am looking forward to doing something on the original Dawn of the Dead. So, uh, Pat, I'm there. Uh, oh, we're doing it. That's going to be a four-hour-long episode. <laughs> open open invitation to you too as well paul but um you know i'll let you i'll let you gentlemen go now because i've held you for far longer far it was longer awesome. than i anticipated. Awesome. this is a lot of fun thank you praise awesome. the sun praise yeah. the sun indeed indeed <laughs> and, paul are you ready to do quick, the dive off of the <laughs> podcast here into the yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm i'm actually on the second floor and i'm gonna, <laughs> gonna actually i'm gonna do the face first one because when you break your femur you're uh, that's terrible i don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't need I don't need Gallagher hammer. I just I'm gonna face first into the, the, the podcast rock below. I just I just want to destroy. I want to pulverize my feet and ankles, so I'm just left writhing on a rock for. I, mean, I do feel like we should do the the um like the sunset flip like the, the you know, yeah. <laughs> the now if if I were gonna go out that way, the thing I would do is get about a five foot running start and do like a Bruce Lee kick right off the. Uh, <laughs> Flying kick right off the edge of the cliff. 
All right, you guys. Well, I, hey, it's been. So uh, I, I would just look like Bam Bam Bigelow falling on somebody from the top <laughs> rope. Let's just be honest. All right, slap the elbow Again, before you gentlemen, jump off. <laughs> guys, thank you so much. This has been great. Uh, I look forward to it again. So you guys both, an open invitation to come back whenever. Noise. It's been a lot of fun. Good meeting you, Paul. And I'm definitely going to check out that uh, magic episode because, whoa, that movie's heavy. Yeah, thank you. And thank you guys <laughs> for talking Midsummer. You know, it was a lot of fun. All right, guys. You guys take right. care. Same to you. All right. Bye-bye. And just like that... Paul, myself, and Pat sat down and discussed Midsummer. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun recording it. And as we said, Pat and myself will most likely be getting back together soon to talk a little more about the movie. I understand why Paul had to tap out. It's very heavy, and there's so much to unpack. So much. My own thoughts, final thoughts here, I guess to quote Jerry Springer, um, I'm going to recommend you see it. If you haven't seen it, watch it. If you listen to this and hadn't seen it, um, then you were spoiled. And I said we were going to spoil things. Also, in the future, look forward to an episode covering Mandy, where Paul and Pat may be coming back for that. I haven't seen Mandy, so I'm really looking forward to that. I had a lot of fun talking with these guys. I hope to do it again in the future, either with the two of them together or even... Myself and Paul and myself and Pat, however it works out. I hope you guys had a lot of fun listening. And go check out Paul at Invasion of the Podcast and check out Strange Highways. It was a lot of fun talking with these guys. You need to go listen to Paul's podcast. You can also check him out on episodes of Talk Without Rhythm, but I highly recommend you go seek out his podcast and listen to him. As you can tell, he knows his stuff. And Pat didn't really have anything, but he is always welcome in the Skewered universe whenever he wants. Both these gentlemen have an open invitation, and I'm really glad that the first time they showed up, it was a lot of fun. And with that being said, you'll get links below for Paul's podcast and the socials for us. And keep enjoying that universe that's just a bit skewered. Find the podcast at skewereduniversepodcast.podbean.com. It's also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Search for Skewered Universe Podcast. Contact the show by emailing us at skewereduniversepodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at skewereduniversepodcast.com. Facebook as the Skewered Universe group page and Instagram as Skewered underscore Universe.